Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 11th episode of Believe in the Long Run. I am your host, Dominic Santina. And once again this week, we'd like to thank last week's guest, Zach Sayre, for joining the podcast and taking time out of his day to talk with us and sit down and talk about his 100-mile adventure and his passion and love for ultra running. I do want to say a quick apology to Zach. Off the bat, I'm just in quick thinking, not really paying attention, I published that it was Josh Sayre. It's actually Zach Sayre. We've corrected it. Sorry about that, Zach. Hopefully everyone now realizes that or has seen that. It is Zach Sayre that joined our podcast. Thank you again, Zach, and we'll see. Maybe we'll get to, I know we've talked about getting together for a run since we live in close proximity to each other once things slow down here a little bit. We'll keep in touch and see what happens with your adventures, and maybe if you do another big run like that, we'll have to get you back on another episode. Once again, if you missed that episode or want to check in and see what we are doing with the Believe in the Long Run podcast series, you can visit our social media. Our Instagram page is Believe in the Long Run, and it is The Long Run 5 on Twitter. You can like and share those pages. And also, if you would like to leave any comments or questions, we welcome those as well. Or if you want to give any suggestions on what you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd Gladly consider all of those as well. And if you've missed any episodes or you want to catch up or you're a first-time listener, you can find all of our podcast episodes on any of your favorite platforms. That includes Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Believe.com. While you're there, make sure to give our series a like and subscribe if you really enjoy what you're listening to. We will now move in to the warm-up section of our 11th episode. For those of you that have listened to other previous episodes, you will know that the running or the warm-up is the beginning of our podcast episode. Then you have the workout, and then you have the cool-down. So with our warm-up, usually we talk about road races that you can go out and run, but we're all kind of in a unique position right now where we're not really allowed to do that so we started I think two weeks ago now I started talking about virtual road races that have kind of really took hold now that we can't be together but you can still get out and run so there's one race that we were previewing we've mentioned a couple in the past we're going to talk about one this week and that is the hood to coast This is actually a virtual race series. This means that there's three different races you can sign up to run. They have the Movement 5K, the 10K, or the Half Marathon. It is well underway. It started the 1st of May and continues till June 3rd. As we currently record this, it is May 6th. Apologies for the late publication here. We had it all recorded. I lost some of it and had to re-record it. And... Just busy schedule with having to re-record it. It's got to push it out a day later than normal. So normally, if you're a first-time listener, our podcast episodes come out every Wednesday morning. 
This one's a little delayed. This is coming out. This will be released Thursday, May 7th. But normally every Wednesday is when you can find a new episode of the Believe in the Long Run podcast series. As I was saying, getting back to the Hood to Coast virtual series, you have the Movement 5K, the 10K, or the Half Marathon. That will run till June 3rd. And one of our very familiar names on our podcast series is Jordan Hase, and she is participating in this as well. You can find the link to sign up to it on her social media, or we will also post it on our social media pages as well. There is one other thing that I'd like to mention that's still continuing to go on, and that's Desi Linden is sponsoring a global step challenge with Fitness Bank that has been going on for over a month now. It'll conclude here at the end of May, two months. She's given out some great prizes if you enter anything from a signed poster up to a free pair of Brooks running shoes. And I believe the grand prize is uh, free entries for a year into any race of your choosing. So some great prizes over there as well. That link has actually already been updated, I believe, on our social media page, if not I'll double check and I'll post that with the Hood to Coast virtual race series as well. There's actually another virtual race that is kind of personal that I found as well. This is sponsored by the Kibo Group and we'll get into what they do in just a minute. But they are sponsoring the Run to the Well virtual 5K. It was scheduled for April 2020 but instead now has been moved to April 2021. But the virtual 5K is coming up very quickly here, just in a couple days on Saturday, May 9th. The cost, they mentioned that with the tough times right now, they are just asking anyone to donate whatever they can. So that could be anything from $5 to $25, or they make a joke of even more than $800. Any gift will make an impact, and that's what they really stress. What is Kibo? They help support people in Uganda. It says 25% of people in Uganda do not have access to clean water. 66% do not have access to improved sanitation. They help fix the communities by that. Proceeds from the virtual run to the well support the Kibro Group's water sanitation and hygiene program, which partners with the rural Ugandan communities to address water concerns and hygiene issues. They also own a couple of coffee shops. One was on the base of my campus in college, and they use that to help fund those programs in Uganda as well. So you can go to the kibogroup.org to find out more about Run to the Well Race and about the Kibo Group. Go support them. It's a very, very good cause. So check out our social media to see things that can keep you moving and keep you motivated during this unusual time. If you don't have any interest in either of those two, there's a website that I found last week called virtualrunningevents.com. They have tons of virtual races that you can sign up for. Any Basically anything that you can think of, they have a virtual race for it. So you can head on over there if you want to stay in this motivated trend and get a run in, but you can't actually go do the race that you want to. Go check out virtualrunningevents.com, find the race that maybe interests you, and get out there and get a race in for yourself. So we're sticking with the guest role here. We're going to have another guest on in just a second. His name is Dave Smith. He's a triathlon athlete, and he's done a few Ironmans as well. 
personal connection with this one that I'll get into in just a minute. I'm going to give you some background into Dave Smith at first. He ran at Albion College. He actually played basketball and ran while he was there and joined the cross-country team his senior year of college. After he graduated, then he trans transitioned into triathlons, which Coach Smith will talk about here in just a minute. And then this is kind of how we got connected. Is Dave Smith has been an athletic director at a few different schools in northern lower Michigan. And so he bounced around a little bit, spent a little time at each school. Well, he came to Boyne City High School when I was a junior. If you didn't know, that's where I went to. It's in the northwest corner of the lower peninsula of Michigan. It's a small little school in Boyne City. So he came in, became the athletic director my junior year, and then my senior year in the spring during track season, we had some coaching, some coaches switched around a little bit, and he ended up becoming the distance coach of our track program. And he trained me there, and I had a very successful track season my senior year, mostly because of him. And that's how we met and came close. And I haven't talked to him in a little while. So with going off to college and running and everything, and he switched schools, but it was a good time connecting with him and getting this interview done and kind of catching up a little bit. It's a lot of fun. I know he, he was very dedicated when I was in high school with his triathlon training, and there's two kind of small stories that I kind of remember from high school. I don't know if all the facts are correct, but I know most of it or the gist of it is correct. The first one was that I remember, and I think he would even tell us this, I know teachers would, that he would bike at least to school, maybe not from his house, but at least a good distance, or in the mornings, from somewhere to school, at least his route from his house to school, to get his biking portion of his triathlon training in. And, because he lived quite a bit away, I think he lived, well, he lived quite a ways away from the school so I don't know if he biked the whole thing or if he parked his car somewhere and then biked from there but still I remember he would bike to school in the mornings to help get part of his training in. and another thing with the morning thing I don't remember if he was biking or he was running but I remember one teacher said that he came in pretty early in the morning and he looked out there and on the track was coach Dave Smith pounding away laps on the track as part of his training as well and he would usually do some training in the morning and come in shower and get changed and get ready for the day as the athletic director but like I said I know he was very motivated and there was quite a few stories that bounced around about how motivated he was by getting to the school early or taking a unique way to get to the school so like I said we hadn't talked for a few years but I'm sure he's as motivated now as he was back then and he's going to talk about his training, his triathlon experience, and a whole lot more. So let's get to it. Let's welcome Coach Dave Smith to our 11th episode of the Believe in the Long Run podcast series. How did you decide to start doing triathlons? Well, you know, for me, Dom, it was, it was kind of similar to, uh, you know, as far as, you know, what you had done with, with running in college, you know, you know, I ran at Albion there, you know, did a variety of things because I went there to play basketball and then, uh, you know, did that for a couple of years and, and ran track as well. But then I kind of switched gears and, and focused on 
focus more on track. And then I actually went out for cross country just my, my senior year and, you know, just wanted to still be, be able to, you know, compete as an adult. And, uh, you know, there was a, there was a local triathlon in my hometown, you know, where I grew up. And, uh, you know, so my dad had done that growing up and I had, you know, volunteered as a youngster, you know, it was always, always in the back of my mind that I wanted to at least try one one day. And, you know, so I graduated from college and, and kind of just got hooked. And we moved out to Virginia Beach, my wife and I. Pretty large uh, triathlon community out there. So it was just easy to get into it. I mean, there was lots of swim groups, you know, cycling groups, running groups. You know, I just got hooked and, you know, had a little bit more time on my hand. You know, we didn't have kids yet. And I was able to train quite a bit and, and you know, improved pretty pretty right away you know we learned a lot in my first couple of years and then was able to take all that and from there so it was uh you know just a way to you know really just uh meet that that competitive uh you know edge that i had yeah it makes sense what when you're training for a triathlon what does your training kind of consist of you know it's a little bit different right now but uh you know it's it's changed a fair amount over the years i mean i've I've always um, wanted to try, you know, something different each year as far as, uh, you know, taking what I knew worked and then just added on a couple a couple changes each year as far as my, my overall uh, outlook on training. But, um, you know, a couple key things is I've always tried to have a, a balanced approach as far as swim, bike, run is, is concerned. Um, you know, that changes a bit throughout the year based on, you know, where we live in northern Michigan and, and what we have available to us um, at different times. But, you know, really just a big believer in balance. So typically that looks like, you know, give or take three or four swim spikes and runs per week and then a little bit of strength work as well. And, uh, you know, it just really depends on, again, the, the part of the year I'm in, you know, I've been laying down a pretty solid base, you know, all winter. I don't take a big chunk of time off anymore. You know, maybe I did initially, but, you know, the older I get, it's easier for me to just keep rolling. And I do, you know, take a little bit more of a break, probably, you know, October through December. But I'm still, you know, ticking over and doing a little bit just so that way it's not too hard to get rolling again come January. You know, from there, I mean, it gets you can get super specific as far as the actual workouts go, but you know that balance and then just the consistency of you know getting out the door most days a week, and you know, I've done that for for 14 years now, and so it's uh, it's hard to be patient, but eventually, if you do that long enough, you know, a lot of people can can improve on on what they're doing. So 14 years. When did you when did you get your start then? So I I graduated from college in 2006. So right away, and I've just been doing it ever since. You know, it's changed a little bit. I mean, initially I was, you know, racing a ton. You know, and even when I moved back to Michigan, so I was in Virginia Beach for four years, and then we moved back to Michigan in 2010, and my my daughter was born in 2011, so, you know, those first five years, I raced a ton, but, you know, since then, it's been different, you know, I've still raced, but, you know, don't really travel quite as much anymore, um, 
you know, I've, I've had a few job changes too. And so in those years, you know, I maybe only raced, you know, three or four times. And then even recently, you know, last year, I only raced a couple times and I actually have gotten into paddling as well. And so I've been doing the, uh, Asable Canoe Marathon. I did that last year, and I'm going to be doing that again this year. And obviously, if it happens with everything going on, well, that's the end of July. So, you know, that's been another just addition to you know some of the endurance stuff I'm doing. But the, the, the crossover has been pretty good. I mean, it's been learning a new a new skill there. But you know, the triathlon training certainly helped that, and vice versa. How many triathlons do you have you done? Do you know a number or roughly a number? You know, I don't know that. I mean, I I, I didn't. I, I saw your questions last night. You know, and I I do have it marked down somewhere. I mean, I know I'm over a hundred at this point because you know, for those first five years, I mean, I was probably racing close to ten times a year. You know, and then other other running events and even some cycling events back then. You know, but since you know, probably the, the last say seven or eight years, I've probably only averaged between like five and six a year. So, you know, I think I'm still still up there though over a hundred at this point. So, you know, it's quite a bit. I mean, it's uh, I've actually I was you know kind of looking at that the other day as far as uh, you know trying to remember all the different places I've I've raced and kind of cool to think about. And I've, I've definitely seen some some really cool places and uh, experience, you know, being in some different parts of the country that uh, I probably wouldn't have otherwise had I not been doing that sport. Yeah, still, 100 is not nothing to shake your head at, so. Oh, geez, no, it's a lot for sure. What is your routine the day of a triathlon? You know, it's, geez, no, I don't, I don't really put too much additional thought, you know, having done all those races, but... You know, typically, and it kind of depends on the, the start time, but fairly standard that, you know, most of them will start somewhere between 7 and 8 o'clock. And so I'm usually up, you know, a good, you know, at least two hours, maybe even closer to three hours beforehand just to eat so that way everything can settle, before, you know, before the gun goes off. But, you know, I've always tried to arrive to, to race sites fairly early, at least an hour, maybe even an hour and a half just so I'm not rushing. And, you know, once I get everything sorted out as far as a race packet and whatnot, you know, I just try to get a good little warm-up, you know, somewhere in the, at least 20 minutes, maybe even 30. And I usually try to, at least two of the disciplines, maybe even all three, you know, I usually jump on the bike for just a little while just to run through everything, make sure everything's all set. Then I'll do a little jog and some stretching and then certainly uh, jump in the water with, you know, probably 15 minutes before the gun goes off to get in about five to 10 minutes of swimming, you know, and some, some buildups to race pace. And then I always try to make sure I have at least a good five to 10 minutes, you know, left before the gun goes off just to, you know, if I got to go to the bathroom one more time or, you know, just, just let my mind settle and get focused on the task at hand. But, uh, you know, it's obviously adding, you know, a few other things there with, you know, nutrition after I eat in the morning, you know, for the first time, I usually, you know, maybe take in, depends on the length of the race, of course, but, you know, some sort of other nutrition, you know, in those, uh, that last hour, just to make sure I'm topped off with some good fuel. What would be the toughest aspect of the triathlon? Is it swimming, running, or biking? Yeah, so, you know, it's changed a little bit, I would say, you know, throughout you know, my, my racing career, but probably the swim.
swimming, just, you know, not having grown up swimming, you know, I, you just, I, I learned as an adult and, you know, like any sport, you know, you just, you miss out on some of that, you know, developmental period when you're younger, you know, where you can get all that technique ingrained. But, you know, that being said, I took to it fairly quickly. And, you know, like I said, when I was in Virginia Beach, had some really good swim groups, you know, some master swim groups with uh, some good coaching and other good swimmers around that I was able to learn from. And so, you know, that's, that's helped a lot. And, you know, the running is, you know, I would say a strength of mine, but being that it's the last of the three disciplines, you know, it did certain, it's kind of, like, you know, the make or break part of the race. So, you know, but they, they're all challenging in their own ways. And I think it depends on the, the distance too. You know, there's a few different distances that the weight, um, as far as how much uh, time and energy each of the disciplines you know, costs a little bit different depending on a sprint try compared to an Ironman. So, but yeah, I would say the swimming, just having not grown up doing that, that particular discipline. And, you know, that being said, it's kind of nice to be able to still see, you know, some games, you know, every year in that sport, you know, just with not having done it so early in life. Do you have any interesting stories or moments that have happened to you during a triathlon? You know, I was thinking about that. I think, you know, I've actually had this happen twice. And one was just this past summer, you know, at uh, the R3 triathlon in East Jordan. So I was up front on the bike with one other guy, you know, and there was probably at that point we were we were just just finishing, you know, going down a hill. And we were both going fairly quick. And, yeah, I don't know, maybe there was like 50 meters, give or take, between between the other guy and myself. And so he was in front of me at the time. And, you know, we, there was a, there was a deer that came out and just ran across the road. And it was really very, very shortly. And the guy didn't see it, you know, but he basically, the, the guy that was in front, you know, it, it almost hit him. So it was, you know, it was scary for him for, for a small, you know, point in time. But that was just kind of neat to see, to see a deer. And I had that happen in another race before where it was even closer, where there was a line of, you know, guys, probably, you know, six or seven guys that were, you know, riding together, and, uh, you know, somehow the deer was able to get through and not hit anybody, so kind of interesting. Yeah, that would definitely give you a little bit of a scare. Oh, yeah, yeah, it gets the heart pumping. Oh, yeah, for sure. Any cool locations you've done a triathlon at, or any different locations? Yeah, you know, I there's been, you know, a fair amount, you know, there's, I've done some in Florida, you know, Clearwater was, was a neat venue. And then I think my favorite, though, well, two favorite probably is Lake Placid was the first Ironman I did. That that location is just, you know, really neat, you know, as far as, you know, the Winter Olympics history, you know, having take, taken place there. And then, uh, you know, just the, the scenery, you know, some similarities to Northern Michigan, but, but certainly starting to get, get into uh, a little bit of, you know, mountainous area and, uh you know, so just the, the terrain and just, you know, the views on that, that course and that area were just fantastic. And then the other the other place I've been and raced was uh, in New Hampshire, right by Lake Winnipesaukee. So the, the town is Guilford, New Hampshire, but, uh, you know, same, just, uh, you know, really just gorgeous country. I mean, just the landscape and, 
again, a really nice lake and just everything about it was just uh, a neat area to race. Oh, I'm sure. So would you say the Lake Placid one was your most memorable? I would say so, yeah. I mean, being, being my first Ironman, too, I mean, it was, you know, just something I'll, I'll never forget. And, yeah, I mean, that course is just so unique with everything that you see. There's, you know, times where you're riding and there's, a, you know, a river on the side and some, you know, rocky landscape. And other times you're riding, you know, in a tunnel of, you know, trees and just just a really neat area. All right. Well, thank you, Coach, for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was nice to talk to you, Dom. Well, thank you, Coach Dave Smith, once again for joining the podcast. We're going to head into our cool-down section now, but one thing I wanted to say about the triathlon experience. Last week I mentioned that Zach kind of convinced me that ultra-running might sound fun one day. Don't think I'll ever go for the triathlon experience, mostly because... I'm not the biggest fan of swimming in open water, so we'll have to see. Not saying that it's not out of the possibilities, but it's definitely down the list a little bit. But still, cool to see Coach Dave Smith have a passion for something he loves and continuing to compete in those triathlons, and that's the big thing is doing what you like, and if you still have that competitive edge, finding a way to to use that to your advantage. One thing that I noticed last week that I forgot to mention in the podcast, and it's kind of a feel-good story that I wanted to bring to you guys, is Daniel Romanchuk, who is a marathon wheelchair racer, with help from his mom, put together a virtual race of wheelchair racers for the Boston Marathon, which was scheduled a couple weeks ago on a Monday, but was canceled, of course, because of the pandemic. So his mom, Mrs. Romanchuk, and Daniel put together in the span of a weekend this virtual race. And I found this article that Daniel and his mom really talked about the whole experience with the Boston Globe. If you want to go check it out, you can go to the bostonglobe.com and Daniel Romanchuk search it up and you'll find the report. But he talks about it and we're going to briefly hit on it here. He said it was a really good morning and he said it was really like a marathon morning just getting up and making your breakfast and going through that racing routine. The festivities began at 8.55 a.m. with the national anthem, and the race began at 9. Thirteen different countries were were represented from Japan to New Zealand to Ecuador, and some racers logged in at 12.55 a.m. local time. Roman Chuck's mother said how cool it is that a 15-year-old in New Zealand is pushing at 2 o'clock in the morning his time, he can push with the likes of Daniel and Tatiana McFadden, a female marathon wheelchair winner. I believe she won Boston last year as well. She's won quite a few. The video conference also included Boston Athletic Association Chief Operating Officer Jack Fleming, who set the scenes for the racers by describing the course landmarks as they reached them virtually. I thought this was a very, very cool thing to do everyone needs a little thing to uplift them so props to the roman chucks for coming up with this idea keeping the tradition alive with the marathon being that same day normally on patriots day there in boston but instead making the best of the situation and 
bringing it to even some of the youngsters and allowing them to join in on the fun as well. We're next going to move on to our running golden rules. And we're on to rule number six. There are 25 in total. We're on rule number six. This one is the familiar food rule. It says, do not eat or drink anything new before or during a race or hard workout. Stick to what works to you for you. Your gastrointestinal tract becomes accustomed to a certain mix of nutrients. You can normally vary this mix without trouble, but you risk indigestion with pre-race jitters added. 10,000% agree with this one. The last thing you want right before the gun goes off is having a digestive issue or when you're about to push that last mile or the second half of the race, feeling it in your stomach that you're not there. So best thing to do, eat something that you know you eat all the time, you're comfortable with, but is healthy, good for you, and will help you in your race. My suggestion would be every day you have or every time you have a race the night before, try to eat the same meal or as close to the same meal as you can. That way it's one less thing that mentally you have to worry about or concern yourself with if you know the food that you eat the night before is good and you're going to be just fine. The only exception they gave to this is if you're about to like pass out then you probably should eat something, then nothing at all. Totally agree with that, but let's try to eat stuff on the regular and let's eat stuff that's you know you can handle the night before the race. So the month of April... We, or I should say, I dedicated that month as the mile training plan here on the podcast. This month of May, we're going to continue with the trend, but we're going to change the distance up. And I went with another shorter road race distance that you see a lot of times paired with a 5K. And that's going to be the two mile. So the month of May, we'll be giving you tips on how to improve your two mile time. And the number one tip that we have for you is to pace yourself. Now, we talked about the mile and how it's going to be a fast pushing, you know, you really have to push yourself to run fast in the mile. You still have to push with the two mile, but the thing is, you're running twice the distance. So, you need to kind of find a pace. Find a pace, if it's for you, fast pace, medium pace, easy pace, whatever's going to get you, you know, calculate that out. Whatever's going to get you your time, calculate out your pace and try to hit it. Ideally, you'd like to be consistent, if not, be a little faster in the second half of the race than the front half. You want to pick it up as you go, not die as you go. So you want to start off, if you need to, just a tick slower in the first mile than the second mile. When I was kind of getting this together, I found a website to kind of help base where I wanted to go with this. And it was actually military.com, which was talking about your two-mile time for basic training. One thing they said is it's very easy to get carried away during an all-out effort. Most important is to relax. The key to running faster is running relaxed. So yes, don't stress yourself out about your paces. Find a nice pace in your range that's comfortable and go with it. Like I said, you can always push at the end. Don't push off the start and wear yourself out. Push in the second half of the race. But you don't want to get too relaxed because that's when your time can start to drop. And you see a slower time than what you want. So you need to be aggra- not aggressive with it, but you need to be on top of it and make and, you know kind of make sure your pace is where it needs to be. But pacing is very important when it comes to the two mile, and that'll that goes for all the races: 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, ultra pacing. Number one key. 
you don't hit your paces, you're going to either go out too hard or you're going to go out too slow. And let me tell you, number one thing, my coaches can tell you, there was quite a few times I wasn't worried about pacing. I went out way too hot and it burned me in the second half of the race. So pacing is key for sure. Last thing I'm going to do here before we sign off here for the 11th episode is we're going to hit the social media one more time. You can find us on Instagram at Believe in the Long Run. On the Twitter, you can find us on Twitter at The Long Run 5. Like I said, feel free to comment any suggestions or questions you may have so that way we can feature not only you but your thoughts and what you want to hear on our podcast. Along with that, make sure you give it a like and a share on our social media. Instagram is still slowly, ever so slowly, steadily climbing in followers. I like to see that. And then, of course, you can find us on all of your favorite platforms when it comes to our podcast series, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Believe.com. Head to those sources, and you can catch up on all the other episodes that you may have missed or maybe you want to rehear as we've had a lot of good guests on this very newish podcast series as we start to get our feet under us and start to make our way down the trail in this running podcast series. Well, it's a beautiful day outside. I'm going to go outside and get my run in before the temperatures drop off the rest of the week. Everyone, thank you for listening. Have a good rest of your day and stay safe out there. And we'll see you next week. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.